America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Money Pit is presented by Heart Tools, available at Walmart and Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on your DIY projects, or maybe you need to hire a pro to get it done. We'll give you some advice to do just that. We want to help you create your best home ever. We've got a great show in store for you today. First up, in the 20 years that I spent as a professional home inspector, I often told my clients there are three kinds of houses. Those that had a termite problem, those that have a termite problem, and those that will get a termite problem. (laughs) We've seen them all, and we've got natural solutions for keeping termites and their costly damage away from your home. And before we had walls made of drywall, we had walls made of plaster, and now a lot of homes have walls made of plaster cracks. You know, it happens. (laughs) So we're going to tell you how to fix those plaster flaws the easy way. And building a shed is a fun DIY project for spring. But did you know that whether a shed is wood, steel, or vinyl, just one step can mean the difference between a shed that lasts for a season and one that can last for decades? We'll share that tip and more just ahead. But first, we're here to help you create your best home ever. So help yourself first by reaching out with your home improvement question. You're going to get the answer. Plus, you may even win a great tool from Arrow Fastener. Yeah, that's right. We've got the Arrow E21 cordless electric staple gun, along with a supply of staples worth 50 bucks to give away to one listener drawn at random. So make that you. You've got to call us with a question, and that number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, or you can post your question at moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? We've got Tina in Delaware. How can we help? Hi, Leslie. I was actually calling in regards to a home that we purchased about a year ago. And then um, throughout that year, we've just been uncovering a lot of um, a lot of problems um, with the house. And I was more curious to know whether there is a um, lemon law, so to speak. I'm not aware of a lemon law for new construction. But um, how long have you been in this house? It'll be. It was a year. Um, in November. And did you have a new home warranty on it? Uh, yes. Yeah. So they are coming back and, and fixing the issues. Did you contact the warranty company or just the builder? My husband's been dealing with just the builder. So listen, a couple of things. This may or may not apply to you since it could possibly be too late. But if you buy a new home and it has a homeowner's warranty, notice to the builder does not constitute notice to the warranty company. So I would tell you right away to contact the warranty company. Let them know you've had problems because there are some things that there's coverage for beyond the first year. Of course, you get the most coverage in the first year. Secondly, make sure you're doing everything in writing with both the builder and the warranty company so you have a record. I'm not aware of a lemon law situation, but if you've lost confidence in your builder and in the quality of the construction, what I might suggest you do is hire your own professional home inspector 
and have the building examined so this way you know whether or not it has any serious problems or not. You know, sometimes what you look at and think of as serious, you know, like a nail pop or something like that or a door doesn't close right, you know, could be typical with new construction, but an independent expert can assure you or alert you if there really is a problem. Those would be my suggestions, you know, beyond speaking with an attorney if it gets real serious. But I think, first of all, you got to figure out, you know, how deep you are in terms of issues with this house and then take the most appropriate steps. And I think having it evaluated by an independent expert, you should go to the American Society of Home Inspectors website to find one because those guys are the best. That's homeinspector.org, homeinspector.org. And then you'll find one in your area that can do a great job. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Philip in Arkansas is on the line, has some questions about smart switches. How can we help? For a, about a month or so, I've been always kind of wanting to uh, turn uh, most of my uh, single, single pole uh, light switches in my house into a smart switch. Well, such as, for example, my living room. Right. I've been trying to kind of think of, you know, how am I, how am I to do this? I'm an IT guy here thinking, you know, how can I, you know, turn an, I, an IT concept into electrical concepts? Well, I was doing some research and everything, and a lot of electricians were telling me, you need um, a ground wire, a neutral wire, and a load wire. Well, every single switch that I had been doing research and noticing out there all had four. I'm like, well, how am I to do this? Two loads, a ground and a neutral. How am I to do this? Well, Turns out that there was only one brand out there that I noticed. Anyways, that's why I was kind of turning to you guys because y'all. When I hear y'all podcasts and everything, I'm always hearing how y'all are finding ways around things. I was like, let me let me turn to these guys see if they have see if they have heard of anything else because I'm looking at all these different brands and they're all based off of, off of uh, four wires, two loads, a ground, and a neutral. My system doesn't have that, so that's why I was kind of hoping maybe y'all knew of something. One brand that I would recommend that we have a lot of personal knowledge of is Lutron Caseta, L-U-T-R-O-N, and Caseta, C-A-S-E-T-A. If you just you know Google Lutron smart home products, this is a line of very sophisticated smart home, smartphone controls. So they've got the switches. They've got all the different lighting systems. You can have mixed types of light on this. You can have all sorts of things, and it, and it uh, also is programmed in with the sun. So in the winter, like the lights come on outside earlier than they would in the summer and that kind of stuff. It's a really smart system and really well-made. And the nice thing about Lutron is that they have a 24-7 call center that's staffed by technicians. So when you run into these types of questions, you can call them, and they will have a solution for you. So I would recommend the Lutron by Caseta wireless smart home products very highly. I think you'll find your solution right there, and you won't have to deal with all of these opinions from all these electricians. You'll be able to do most of this yourself. These are the guys that invented the dimmer, okay? That's how long this company's been around. They were the first inventors of the dimmers. You know when they used to be big round knobs on the wall? <laughs> they invented it. They, so I would definitely... Take a look at the Lutron Caseta wireless system. I think you'll be satisfied with that. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, if you've got a question about your Money Pit, we'll do our best to give you an answer, plus maybe some tools to get the job done. 
That's right. We've got up for grabs this hour the Arrow E21 cordless electric staple gun. This really is a must-have tool for any DIYer or woodworker, even the pros out there. You're going to get a battery life of up to three hours, and you can fire as many as 1,000 staples on a single charge. That is pretty amazing. You can get a lot of projects done. I mean, really, it's perfect for repairs, upholstery, decorating crafts. You name it, you can work on it with it. Yep, that Arrow E21 cordless electric staple gun, along with a supply of staples, is worth about 50 bucks. And going out to one listener drawn at random from those that call us with a home improvement question or post one online at moneypit.com. That number again, 888-666-3974. All right, now we've got Annette from Massachusetts on the line who's busy running home improvement errands. What's going on with these windows, Annette? Well, it seems like my windows, uh, they always, I, I think it's a certain degree, like when it's um, probably 20 and below, all the windows have a condensation. The reason that you have condensation on the inside of your windows is because your windows are not insulated. So basically what happens is you have warm, moist air inside the house. It strikes the cold glass. As the temperature of that air chills, it releases water, releases moisture. You know, think about the summer when you take a glass of iced tea and you go outside and you get like the outside of the glass gets wet. That's kind of what's happening here. And it's an indication that your windows are not as efficient as they could be. Now, I'm I'm not saying you have to replace your windows, but I'm just trying to explain why it happens. It may not be a bad time to do that depending on, you know, your budget and how much of a problem this is for you because they're probably not insulating very well either. And the other thing that you can do is just make sure that inside the house, you're venting as much moisture as you can. So for example, in your kitchen, if you have a recirculating air cleaner above your stove, that's not really venting the moisture out. In your bathroom, if you don't use the vent fans and don't take the moisture out, that's leaving moisture in the house. And then outside the house, if you find that your gutters are clogged or your soil's real flat, so when it rains, a lot of water stays really close to the foundation, that actually can work its way into the house as well. So those are some of the things that you could do to try to address this. But um, it's going to be a factor of the temperature differentiation between inside and outside. That cold glass is always going to have some water droplets condense on it. And that's why more energy-efficient windows are thermal pane. They're insulated, so you never get that kind of difference in temperature, and therefore you don't get the um, water condensation. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. 
Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Well, guys, I spent 20 years as a professional home inspector and often told my clients that there were three kinds of houses, those that had termite problems, those that have a termite problem, and those that will probably get a termite problem. But if you take the right steps now to keep termites away, there's a good chance you can keep your home off the termite menu. That's right. You know, this is the time of year to do it. Termites are going to nest in soil all winter, but come springtime, they're busting out in search of some new food. And your home's walls, well, those are their favorite meal. And they're hungry. Yeah, they are. And you can keep those termites from chowing down your house in a few ways. First, for starters, moisture and wood are termites' favorite delicacies. So keep those stacks of firewood or mulch away from your exterior walls. Yeah, and keep your gutters clear. Termites love overflowing gutters. So keep them clear, keep them pointed away from your house so that that runoff is going to wash the bugs further away from the foundation and not directly towards it. And if your porch or crawl space is dirt-filled, keep an eye out for signs of the bugs. For example, if you see piles of discarded wings or you see cracked or bubbling paint or mud tunnels, that's something important to check for on the home's outside walls. You can also check your basement walls, your crawl space walls inside, especially between the wood frame and the walls itself. If you see these sand-colored tubes, those are super highways for termites. That's how they get back and forth between the soil and your house. It's definitely time to call a pest pro. And if you have to call one, treatments today are really effective because the termites don't know that they're there. And so as they go back and forth through the soil, they pick up these treatment chemicals and bring it back to the termites' nest, and that takes care of it once and for all. All right, heading over to Texas, we've got Mike on the line who's got a question about a garage. What's going on? I've got a garage. I've been living here 40 years, and I've got a crack, about four cracks in my garage in the slab. Okay. And I've talked to different contractors, and they said, well, I had to have it chiseled out and just re-poured. I was wondering if there's any epoxy or anything I can let, you know, 
put a top dressing cover over or anything. Yeah, so what are you concerned about here? Are you concerned about, uh, like, trip hazard? Is it, like, displaced from one side to the other, or is it really cosmetic? What's your concern? It's just cosmetic. If I ever wanted to sell it, people would see the cracks in it, you know. Well, first of all, you should understand that cracks in a garage floor are not structural. It's just a crack in the slab. It's most likely caused by shrinkage and settlement. It has no impact on the structural condition of the building. So you don't have to worry about seeing a crack in the floor and going, oh, I think the building is in bad shape. It's really not. It's, you know, think of it as a really durable rug, you know, over across the dirt floor. Right. If you want to try to deal with it. Two things. Quickcrete makes a number of crack fillers and sealers that you can uh, basically use like a caulking gun and insert it into the crack. And they sometimes will tell you to widen the crack a little bit, especially if it's hairline. And then beyond that, you could recoat that floor once you get those cracks sealed, just to stop moisture. Uh, and Dice Coatings makes a product called Die Hard. It's a garage floor coating kit, super durable, very beautiful, and that will leave that floor looking absolutely fantastic. So that's what I would do. I would seal the cracks, and then I would coat that entire floor with the Dice Coatings garage floor product. It really works very well, and it's a super durable product, and I think the garage will look fantastic. D-A-I-C-H Coatings.com. I will look them up. Hey, I sure appreciate it. Y'all have a great show, and thank you so much for the help. Barry in North Carolina is on the line and looking for some help with a sunroom. Tell us what you're working on. Well, we've got a 12 by 15 uh, sunroom, and it's just, it gets cold and it gets hot. Um, mm-hmm. It's double pane glass insulated, and it's about two inches thick for the um, the bottom part but it's like all metal, all aluminum, and it's just cold and hot, and I just want to know, and it is ducted. There's air duct out there. And okay. is there anything I can do to make it warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer? Well, what's going on here, Barry, is you are not putting enough cool air or warm air in that space to deal with the heat loss that's going on. So I presume now this you, what you did is extended your HVAC system into this space. Is that how it's ducted? We yes. say it's ducted? All right. And this is typical. The, the HVAC system is not sized correctly for that area and for the heat loss in that area and for the heat gain in the summer. This is a perfect scenario, though, for you to add a kind of system called a mini-split ductless. Mini-split ductless is basically three pieces. You have an indoor unit that hangs on the wall. You have an outdoor unit that's a very small, very quiet, very efficient compressor. And you have copper tubing that connects the two. And you would buy one that's just big enough for this sunroom. And what it would do is supplement the central heat or cold air that's coming through the duct systems and balance it out. It can have its own thermostat. It can uh, supply warm air in the winter and cold air in the summer and make that room totally comfortable. There's little else that you can do to insulate the structure. It's just a very cold structure by its very nature, a sunroom. But a mini-split ductless is a good product to install to balance this out. You might want to take a look at this website, constantcomfort.com. That's the website for the Fujitsu company. I personally have Mm -hmm. a Fujitsu mini-split ductless in my office because the room, just like you say, it's too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter, and it's been the perfect uh, addition to my HVAC plan because it really makes this space comfortable. I've seen those units mounted before, but usually they're mounted up high. 
Can they be mounted yeah. down low? You know, I believe they can, but the higher the better, especially for the cold air so it falls. But there's only like two and a half feet of solid piece down below. The rest of it's all window. Well, what about the wall against the house where the ducks come through? Um, that's the point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, see, it doesn't have to be on the exterior wall. It okay. can, and in fact, you would want to have it on the interior wall against the house where the ducks come through, mounted up high, and you'll be amazed at how comfortable that space will be. The website, again, is constantcomfort.com. You can check out the Fujitsu's there, and they also have an energy efficiency calculator so you can figure out you know, pretty much how much energy you save. The problem is that we build these spaces and we add them onto our house. We try to extend the heating and cooling systems. And it just puts too much pressure on the system. Yeah, it's just not enough. Okay, very good. That answers my question, In All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Elaine in Delaware needs some help with a flooring project. What can we do for you? I'm mainly concerned about the fact that I have uh, some rescue animals and some kids, and every time I try to think of what I can do when I lift up this rug and put a surface down, I need something durable, and uh, I thought of wood, and then I thought of Pergo, and everybody says, no, the dog will scratch it, or the kids will scratch it, and <laughs> then I saw something at a hospital the other day, actually, a, you know, a, like an x-ray area where it takes a lot of traffic, right? and it looked like a heavy-duty plastic, plasticized type uh, imitation wood, and I tried to find out where they got it from, but it's nothing I can find in going to the local um, shops. You know, right. like Lowe's and, and Home Depot. You know, it might have been luxury vinyl, although they doubt that in the hospital. Um, what I think you might want to consider is laminate. Pergo is just one brand of laminate. But remember that there are different finishes on these floors, and you want to find one that has a commercial finish. That will make it the most durable. Yeah, really super durable. I think the best option here and the one that's most accessible is to think about using laminate flooring. Laminate flooring can look like wood. It can look mm-hmm. like tile. It can look like vinyl. And if you get one that has a commercial grade finish on it, it can clearly stand up to the kids and the dogs. I appreciate that very much. You're welcome, Elaine. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, long before we had walls made of drywall, plaster really was the material of choice for wall and ceiling construction. But often your home is settling and the older homes have settled quite a bit, and that allows cracks to form in the plaster surfaces. Yeah, and just painting over the cracks solves nothing. Spackling over the cracks solves nothing. And tearing off the plaster to redo can be very time-consuming and not very economical. But there is a way to repair loose plaster walls. Yeah, and there really is only one correct way to make repairs to plaster walls that's going to look good and it's going to last. All right, so first let's start by talking about how a plaster and lath wall works. So lath are sort of like wood slats, almost like tomato sticks. Um, they're attached to the studs of the wall framework there, about a half an inch apart. Then the plaster is made and sort of smushed onto it and smoothed out, and it kind of grips its way behind the lath and then adheres, and that's your wall construction. Yeah, and what happens is over time, that hook, as you so accurately described it, loosens up, and that's what separates the plaster from the lath. And plaster is really heavy, and if it falls, it could really hurt somebody. So here's the way to fix it. You want to first use a masonry bit and drill holes along both sides of the crack, then use a vacuum to clean out that loose debris, and then you want to pick up a plaster adhesive kit. It's a special glue, usually has 
has a conditioning spray, which is kind of like a primer. You put a couple of squirts of that in the hole, and then you put the glue in. And then there's a, a, a piece of hardware called a plaster washer that you screw through the plaster into the studs or the last, and it pulls that loose plaster right against the wood where the glue was applied. And then you just leave it alone for about a day or two, and you pull that plaster ring off, the plaster washer off, and now the plaster is well attached once again and really does not pull out. Yeah, no, but does it ever make sense to kind of just get rid of all the plaster and start with drywall or start again with new plaster? No. I mean, it, in my view and in my experience, and I've done this both ways, Leslie, I've, I've had walls that were badly cracked where I decided it was there were too many cracks to repair. Now, if you've got walls that look like that, you may be tempted to tear out the plaster and tear out the lath and just put drywall on top of the studs. I found, though, by doing that, since we're talking about very old homes, that those stud walls are very often not uh, in a plane. They're not flat. They bow and twist a lot because think about it. When it's plaster, it's wet. The tradesman can smooth it out and make up for that with drywall you see every bend and twist plus it's a heck of a mess so i found it much easier to leave those loose plaster walls in place and then put drywall over that you don't even have to use half inch drywall you could use quarter inch drywall and kind of skin it true Uh, and this way you have a very clean surface when you're done yes you have to adjust around windows because the wall is thicker now and outlets and light switches but i found that definitely to be the easiest way to take on this project All right, Tom in Missouri is calling in with a pretty crazy question. His garage is pulling away from the house. Tell us what's going on. My garage is pulling away from the side of my house, and we determined it was a gutter overflow problem, and we got that rectified, and now I'm wondering how to get my garage back up where that it's not pulling away from the house. It's pulled away an inch or so. Okay, once a building moves because there was water that got under the foundation or whatever caused it to rotate, you can't shove it back to kind of close that gap. So you need to get used to it in its present position. But tell me this, is the gap that has co- that's opened up, is that a problem from a weather perspective? Is water getting into the building? Yes. Does the roof of the garage attach to the uh, side of the building above it or next to it? Is that where the leakage issue is? Yes. All right. So what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to reflash that. Essentially, take apart the roofing in that area and replace it. Re-roof that, that one to two foot strip between the garage roof and the adjoining building. Because that's pulled apart, I can only imagine that all of the flashing is extended and there's lots of places for water to get in there. If you don't do that during driving rain, the water will get down between the uh, the garage roof and the and the second floor uh, sidewall of your house and that's going to cause leaks and rot and all kinds of problems. So you're going to have to tear out the roof where it joins the building and replace it. But now that you fix fixed the gutter problem, you've got the foundation stable again, that should really take care of it for the long run. Tom, good project for you there. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, one of the handiest tools to have around for projects inside and out is a staple gun, and we've got a great one to give away. Yeah, from our friends at Arrow, we've got the E21 cordless electric staple gun. It's a must-have for any DIYer, woodworker, or pro. It's got a battery life of up to three hours. It can fire as many as a 1,000 shots on a single charge. I would be worn out before this tool is worn out. (laughs) It's great for general repairs, for upholstery, decorating crafts. It's going out along with a supply of staples. That package is worth 50 bucks to one listener who contacts us with their home improvement question at one Money Pit or uh, posting that question at moneypit.com. All right, now we've got Ruth in Michigan on the line. How can we help you today? I have an older house that's in need of some pizzazz and wanted to put shutters 
over my vinyl siding. Is that possible, and how would I attach them? Yeah, it's done all the time, and there are special fasteners that are used in that situation so that you pierce the siding uh, without causing a leak to happen. And most of the shutter companies will sell those as part of the shutter, too. So you certainly can do that. You do want to be careful not to squish the siding, because remember, the siding is, is somewhat soft. And so as long as you're careful about the way they attach, you certainly can have uh, shutters on top of vinyl. Okay, Ruth? All right. Well, good. I was um, wondering if it could be a do-it-yourself project. Absolutely. Ruth, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, did you guys know that over the last three years, the average tax refund was over 2800 bucks? And for DIYers, that means some newfound money to take on projects you may have been putting off. That's right. To help you make the best use of your hard-earned windfall, we've put together a series of projects that are going to add value to your home and get done without blowing your tax refund budget. Today's tax refund tip is presented by Heart Tools, available exclusively at Walmart. And today's project, building a shed. You know, these multifunctional marbles can really simplify life by offering lots of extra storage or providing a small private workspace. But functionality is not the only consideration. If you build them well, sheds can be an attractive addition to your home that can also add value. And they're not that expensive, so they can really be a fun, affordable DIY project. Now, if you're thinking about building a shed, here are a few tips that can help. First, there really are three ways to go with a shed project, and they're all depending on your level of DIY skills. Now, you can build a shed from plants that you purchase online, or you can build one from a kit where all of the pieces have been cut for you, or you can purchase a prefabricated shed and just assemble it. Now, you also need to think about the material your shed will be built of. The choices are wood. Of course, wood allows pretty much infinite customization, but it is subjected to termite infestation and carpenter ants and doesn't need to be treated and painted to stay in good shape. You can go with metal. It's sturdier than wood, but it will also rust and warp, and it may not include a floor. Or you can use plastic. You know, the prefab plastic sheds are durable. They're easily assembled, but, you know, you can't have much customization because they're not really made to change. Yeah. Now, regardless of the material you pick, you want your shed to look good and you want it to be functional. So you've got to choose a style that matches the architectural style of your home. For example, if your home is a two-story colonial, don't choose a shed with a flat roof that looks more like a chicken coop. Go with something that matches the style of your home. And also, you want to think about what you're storing in that shed and make sure that the doors are wide enough to get those things in. You know, if you've got a big mower or a snowblower or something that you want to park inside, make sure it fits. And lastly, and this is really, really important, guys, you want to make sure your shed has a solid floor. Now, if the shed is ground level, I would recommend you pour a concrete pad and then build your shed on top of that. If it's got a wood floor, make sure you don't set that wood floor right on the grade. It's got to be up off the grade so a little air gets under it. Otherwise, that floor will rot away. I can't tell you how many times we've seen sheds over the years just completely fall apart because the floor wasn't supported properly. It wasn't vented properly. It wasn't built on a foundation. It was thrown on maybe just some bricks that were laid on the dirt, and that really kind of ruins the whole structure. If you build a good floor for your shed, your shed will last for decades. And that's today's tax refund tip presented by Heart Tools, available exclusively at Walmart. Do it with Heart. Learn more at HeartTools.com, where you'll also find step-by-step plans for dozens of fun projects. 
Yeah, including one that will look great in your newly built shed. I was checking out the sports equipment organizer today, Leslie. It's a really great way. You know, with kids, we've got balls and bats and hockey sticks and more. It's a great way to keep it all in one place and keep those kids busy and organized all season long. You can check that out at hearttools.com. All right, now we've got Chris from Tennessee on the line who just put in a new septic tank and needs some help with the yard work. What can we do for you? Uh, yes, uh, we had some people to come and put our septic tank in about five years ago, and the yard looked great when they got done with it. Now we've got a bunch of sinkholes and a bunch of hills in the backyard, and I just want to know the best way to fix that without messing up the septic tank and messing up the water lines and stuff. So is the distribution field in the area where all these sinkholes are and this depression? Yes, sir. So you got to be really careful because you don't want to put any heavy equipment over that because you can crush those pipes. So you can add topsoil on top of that, but I wouldn't go over it with anything heavier than a wheelbarrow full of dirt. Okay. And so I would fill them in by hand, and I would rake that out, and I would reseed it. The good news is that it, it will probably grow quite, quite nicely being over the septic field, but I would be careful not to put anything heavy equipment-wise into that area because you can crush the pipes, and then you're going to have a bigger problem. All right. Well, thank you all for your question, and I listen to you all every day, and you all were great. Julie from New Jersey reached out with a kitchen question on MoneyPit.com. Now, Julie says, I'm ready to install my granite countertop. Should I do the four-inch backsplash of granite, or should the granite go flush to the wall and then use a tile backsplash? Some say the granite backsplash is outdated. I mean, I don't love that look, but some people do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the small backsplash is outdated, but the full backsplash that goes all the way up to the underside of the kitchen cabinet, do you think that's okay? I mean, it depends truly on the look of the granite. If you have something that's like a very busy graining or a lot of speckling, it might seem kind of busy, but I do love that waterfall look where it even goes all the way up behind, you know, your cooktop, behind the venting hood. It really is such an interesting focal point. So if you are you know, happy with the look of your countertops and you want to sort of accentuate that, go ahead and use that same countertop material as a full backsplash or pick something that's sort of similar but different, sort of in the same family, and then add tile to the other parts of it. So you can really sort of mix and match these materials and the feel of it to create a beautifully personalized kitchen space. Yeah, and in either case, though, you want to put the countertop in first, and then you rest the backsplash on top of the countertop, not the other way around. All right, next up, we've got one here from Jack. Now, Jack is moving to Pennsylvania, and he says, I'm thinking of getting a heat pump installed in a house that I'm buying in Western PA. Currently, it has a gas furnace, but no cooling. The idea of combining heating and cooling in one unit seems to make sense, but I'd like some other opinions. You know, Jack, I would definitely never give up my gas furnace to go with a heat pump, especially in your part of the country. It's going to be a lot more expensive to heat your home because you're basically going to a form of electric heat. And the way a heat pump works is it's kind of like an air conditioner that has a reversing mode. And when it works backwards, it puts heat in the house instead of cool air in the house. But, And that's reasonably efficient. But the problem is that when the house really starts to call for a lot of heat, the heat pump won't keep up. And then it brings on its backup system, which is straight electric resistance heat. I think you're going to see soaring electric bills. So I would definitely never give up the gas furnace. If it is time to replace the furnace, sure, you can buy a new one, put your air conditioning in at the same time. But uh, I would definitely think about going with a more efficient gas furnace uh, and 
not even a high efficiency heat pump when you have gas available. I think it's just going to be a step that you will really, really regret, especially uh, when that first winter electric bill shows up at your door. You're going to be, Ooh, what? And it's going to oh, be expensive. Goodness. Absolutely. Now, Tom, you just totally upgraded your heating system at home and went with one that was very efficient. Can you tell us about how you chose it and the project itself? Well, yeah, I mean, we had an old cast iron gas-fired boiler. And the thing that was really surprising about this, we replaced it with a combi boiler, which is now a very small machine about the size of a kitchen cabinet. It does heat and hot water. And one of the things that surprised us, we, we knew we were going to have like a massive increase in efficiency, energy efficiency. But the old boiler was set in a place in the basement that was underneath the dining room and living room area. So if you think about it, you had a cast iron boiler, minimum insulation around that, and then a big vent pipe that went to the chimney, that was kind of like a radiator under the floor of our house. So the floors were always kind of warm. Now that we don't have that, the floors are cold. So I'm having trouble balancing you know, the cold first floor with the warm second floor. So now my next project is to insulate the entire first floor of my house. So, <laughs> so we always say it's, the three most expensive words. While you're at it. Or while you're at it, the four or might as well the three. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, good project anyway. Thank you so much, guys, for spending a part of your home improvement day with us. We hope that we've helped you make some progress on those projects. Maybe you gave you a few ideas for projects you'd like to take on in the near future. If you've got questions, remember, you can always reach out to us at moneypit.com or on our social media sites, including facebook.com slash themoneypit. But for now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 